This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay, and I am so excited to have you here today. Today's episode is sponsored by Prevanex. This is where I get all of my multivitamins and supplements. I don't know why I said all of my multivitamins because I just take one multivitamin. Uh, But their protein powder is amazing too. It is vegan. I make smoothies with it every single day for my kids and then I shake it up and take it for breakfast on the go for myself or in between workouts. And they also have Supervites, which is a vitamin for kids that my kids take. For you runners out there, the Joint Health Plus is a lifesaver for the joints. It protects and prevents joint pain, and it also alleviates joint pain. You all can check out Prevenex when you go to Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. Today is episode 277, and I'm talking with Tess Sobomihim Marshall. Tess is the CEO and founder of Running Nerds. She has the Run Social Race Series in Atlanta, and she just put on her third annual event that is called The Race in Atlanta. The Race is a half marathon weekend that supports Black-owned businesses, charities, and neighborhoods hosted in Atlanta, Georgia. So many people have recommended that I have Tess on the show She is apparently a legend in Atlanta and beyond. She's an eight-time marathoner herself, very passionate about the running community, and has a goal herself to complete all the world marathon majors. So we had a really fun discussion talking about becoming a race director and that entrepreneur life and being a part of making sure there is more diversity and inclusion in the sport of running She's also, by the way, a craft beer lover and has a dream of opening a brewery one day. So this is a super fun and important conversation that I know you're going to enjoy. And next year, you're all going to sign up for the race with me. I don't know if anybody will be there in person. We won't know till next year, but there was a great virtual option this year that we get to hear all about as well. So uh, yeah. All right. And before I jump into this conversation with Tess, I want to remind you that the Players Donna 5K is coming up. It is the weekend of October 24th. I'm doing it. This is an amazing way to support the Donna Foundation, which supports people walking through breast cancer and also supports groundbreaking research. So many people have been affected by this pandemic, and especially those who are walking through an illness like breast cancer. Throughout this pandemic, the Donna Foundation has been working harder than ever to support those living with breast cancer. One in five families served by the Donna Foundation since March 2020 did report financial issues as a direct result of the pandemic. So they have a care line. They've seen a 78% increase in call volume and requests by patients, family members, and caregivers for financial assistance for medical expenses, food, and shelter. So when you sign up for this 5K which is in just a couple of weeks, and it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, by the way, you are supporting the work that the Donna Foundation is doing. So run it with me, post about it, share about it, so more people find out about this amazing organization. 
The race is called the Players Donna 5K. You can actually go to theplayersdonna5k.com to learn more and register. Use the code Lindsay5 for $5 off your registration. If you are already planning to do the Donna marathon or half marathon weekend in February. They have a fearless series. There's three races. You can sign up for all of them at once. Um, so if you're going to do that, make sure you go to breastcancermarathon.com and sign up for that fearless series. Uh, okay. Enjoy my conversation with Tess Sobo Marshall. Well, today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Tess Sobo Marshall. Welcome to the show, Tess. Hey, good to be here. Well, I feel like you're quite the Atlanta celebrity. Everybody wants you on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but uh, I like to talk. I like to talk about running and all the fun stuff. So I'm an easy ask. I usually say yes to pretty much any interview. <laughs> yeah, I posted in my Facebook group. I, I was like, I want to bring some more everyday runners on. runners on. And then another time I was talking about doing a race director series and for both topics you were brought up and shout out to Shawana White because she suggested you to me so long ago I am just the most unorganized human being on the face of the planet <laughs> um so when it came up again she was like I told you yeah I actually I just talked to Shawana last night and uh she she wished me luck I think I guess she knew that we were we're talking this week so Yes, I love Shawana. She's a huge ambassador for all aspects of running. And thank you, Shawana, for recommending me a couple of times. Yeah, I well, I sent her a screenshot once we got it scheduled. I sent her a screenshot of my calendar and I was like, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, you're coming off a pretty big weekend and I'm honored that we get to do this conversation coming off your big race because that just makes it all the more exciting. I mean, we can talk about the race any day of the year, but like the fact that it just happened is extra special. So congratulations on a great weekend. Thank you so much. And it's weird to kind of talk about it. Um, I was talking to some people about, oh, I just had this big race weekend. And there they aren't people who are kind of like in depth in the running community. They know that like a lot of events aren't happening. So they were like so confused, like, what do you mean big race weekend? Like we ha there are no races going on. I had to explain to them like, well, our virtual race pretty much felt like the full thing. I mean, definitely not as physically demanding, but I mean, it was a four day full weekend, but yeah, it was awesome. Um, still kind of in trying to let the dust settle, but lots to, lots to be excited about and talk about there. Yeah. Well, I imagine it's like, you you said less physically exhausting, but like mm -hmm. there's so many details that you had to figure out that you've never had to figure out before. Yes, I am now. Um, I give myself the title of like producer, editor, <laughs> um, scheduler, um, wrangler. You know, I know more about technology than I ever probably needed to or wanted to. So, and I know like you did with the podcast and just trying to get content out and sharing. Um, you know, it's a lot, definitely a lot. Yeah. When you remove the, f anything you're doing physically in person, it's like so important to still connect with your audience and your mm -hmm. people that are doing your races. And I saw that you've been like getting on Facebook lives a lot and doing things like that. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, what you ha kind of have to do if you want to keep your audience and keep people, you know, motivated um, you know, a lot of it for me was putting the cart before the horse. Cause there were some days and I'm sure you have this where you just want to just be like everybody else and go into your hole mm -hmm. and 
you know. Um, but pretty early on in the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, I just made a decision that as long as I was healthy and had an opportunity to speak to people, that I would do that, even if it was not necessarily what I wanted to do at that moment, because, you know, I had too many people that came back to me and said, you know, I really appreciated what you posted or those words that you said or that email you sent or, you know, I heard your your interview with so-and-so and it inspired me. So I, I again, just kind of made the decision early on that as long as I had the ability to do that, I would keep doing it. Yeah, it's good. I know the first few times you like hold the phone out and like do a selfie video where you're like talking to the camera. You're like, I feel like an idiot here, but I have things to say and surely somebody cares. At least one person, right? Right. Um, Okay, so we're going to get all into the race, which just happened this weekend. I'm so excited to share with that about all that you're doing with that race with our listeners. But um, I do want to get into your backstory so the listeners can get to know you. Um, I, I read up that you used to be a basketball player and you weren't you know, the biggest fan of running for a long time. So it was fun to hear how you kind of decided this was going to be your new sport. And um, I always love hearing when people say that they like used running for, you know, punishment, like, oh, I had to run for basketball or whatever. So true. (laughs) And then it becomes like your true love, right? Yes. Let's start by talking about when you first started getting involved in running with Black Girls Run and everything. I love Black Girls mm-hmm. Run. I actually um, I had Tony on the show like when I was super new to this. I'm mm-hmm. embarrassed to even like tell people to go back and listen to the episode because I don't know what I said or how the interview <laughs> was because I think she was probably like in the first 30 episodes or something. Um, but share with us. I know you were part of the inaugural chapter in Atlanta. So share mm-hmm. with us about that. Yeah, so um, I made the decision to try out running when I was moving to Atlanta in 2010, and I had signed up for a race, the Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure, and I actually picked that race because um, as a basketball coach, we always did like breast cancer awareness months, and so I was familiar with the cause, I was familiar with the um, the Komen um, initiative, so I was like, oh, I want to, you know, try out running a 5K, you know, like I said, I never really ran more than two miles. And that those two miles were like the time trial that you had to do for basketball um, tryouts. And it was awful every year, something you dreaded every <laughs> single year. But, you know, I was getting, I was in my early thirties at that, at that time. And, you know, going and playing pickup basketball for exercise was becoming less and less <laughs> appealing as, you know, it takes you like three days to recover. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like, well, let me try out running. And so I just started running around my neighborhood and then um, my first weekend, I moved to Atlanta. I um, went and ran the Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure. And it's funny thinking about how technology-focused runners can be in terms of getting, like, your time and your medals and your all the swag. But that race was, a like, I think we got a cotton T-shirt. I don't believe it was timed. It was just you ran for the cause. And that, that was all I really needed. Um so I ran that race, finished it in just under 30 minutes. And I remember going on Facebook and saying, I just ran a 5K and had like three friends who were like, great job. <laughs> I didn't know anybody else that ran. And this was early on Facebook too. This before, uh-huh. you know, it is what it is today. Um, so I didn't run another race again for almost a year. And some friends um, said, hey, let's sign up for this 10K. And um, again, I had only run the 5K. 
and I was working as a personal trainer at that time here in Atlanta. And so I was like, okay, you know, let's give it a try. So we went out and we would go running and we would just try to add more time to how long we ran without feeling like we have had to walk. And so again, I would like go on Facebook and say, ran 30 minutes today, ran 40 minutes today. And like my mom and my friends, good job, thumbs up. Um, so we did the 10K and it was like a St. Patrick's Day themed 10K. And I did that one in just under an hour. So the goal was again, just to run the whole time, not feel like I had to walk, ran it under an hour. And I think that's the one that kind of got me hooked because I loved seeing myself get better at running. Um, you know, getting through the the suckiness of the beginning stages of running. Um, and at that particular race, I remember looking around and thinking to myself, man, there's not a lot of black people doing these races. I don't understand why it's super fun. You know, it's a great way to stay in shape. Um, and black women in particular. And I remember having the thought like, it'd be cool to start a, a, a run group and have other black women come out and run. And literally the gods must have heard me um, like the next week I saw the call for ambassadors for black girls run Atlanta. And I was like, great, somebody else already thought of it. Let me jump on, on board. So I signed up to be an ambassador for the Atlanta chapter with, um, there's about three or four other, um, women who I'm still very much so friends with and close to this day. Um, and we literally took that chapter and grew it exponentially um, that's where I kind of found my desire to kind of be a leader in the running community. I would go around all around the city and help start up little pop-up group runs in the various cities, sorry, various neighborhoods in Atlanta, um, some of the sub suburbs. And, you know, at this time I was still kind of working as a personal trainer, but I was transitioning out of that position. So I had a lot of free time. <laughs> um, a lot of people were like, do you work for a blah? I was like, no, this is just something I enjoy doing. I like it. I would spend every weekend I would be out leading group runs. And then that kind of um, inspired me to put on a 5K. So I put on my first 5K in 2012, we called it the Running Nerds 5K. And Running Nerds, that's the name of my company um, to this day. And it basically just started as just people who were nerdy about running. You know how when you get into it, you really get into it, you get all nerdy, planning your weekends, planning your, um, you know, everything you say on social media is about running. So that's where the whole term Running Nerds came from. And then that just grew from one race to two races to multiple races to um, building a reputation as a race director in the um, Atlanta community. And people started coming to me and asking me for um, how to put on races. Um, and here we are, you know, 10 years later from that, that first Susan G. Coleman run. And now, um, you know, I'm just a very proud leader in the Atlanta running scene and um, really, really proud of my position as a race director and the, the, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful profession. It took me a long time to acknowledge like race directors are just like the volunteer that puts on the event for the organization, which there are some situations like that, but it's an, it's a whole profession. There's like a whole oh, yeah. bunch of us there doing this thing. It's crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. Being a race director. I mean, especially if you have more than one race, like that, that is huge. I mean, if people, if people don't realize that that is a massive, massive undertaking, then they, they have never been on the behind the scenes part of a race because it is huge. Um, I used to kind of yes. do a little bit of part-time work for a local company here. So I got to kind of see a little bit, uh, of what mm -hmm. goes on. Okay. So a couple of follow-up questions from the whole, the whole picture you just painted. And this first question is obvious, but 
why do you think it was? And, and do you think that there's been a, a big shift that you didn't see any other black women or very many black women at that first 5k? Well, I think it's the whole reason why Black Girls Run started because, um, you know, one representation, you know, having uh, role models in the sport, even just as a casual participant in the sport, um, it's not something that we saw each other doing. So, you know, you're not as as inclined to try something when you don't see yourself modeled in it. Um, you know, a lot of the, the barriers for running, you know, um, you know, I'm sure you've heard about hair. Hair is a huge barrier for black women because, you know, sweat does things to our hair that's really, you know, just makes it really tough to kind of bounce back. You know, we can't just go like run and then go take a quick shower, wet our hair and then go uh-huh. go off into um, to the rest for the rest of your day. Like once your hair gets wet or sweaty, it's a whole process to get it back, depending on what kind of style you wear. Um, so I think those are huge factors. Do you have tips for that? Well, I mean, it's a whole, that's a whole <laughs> world. You talk about the running world, the hair world, a whole nother world. Um, you know, you know, we have a lot, like I said, different styles. You know, a lot of women um, choose to be natural. A lot of women choose to be, um, wear protective styles, um, braids and things of that nature. I actually just took braids out of my hair. I just had for about three months. So, you know, the hair factor is big. The Another thing, um, like I said, the representation piece and even just, um, the sports that that black people in general tend to gravitate to, you know, running hasn't and we're talking distance running, mm-hmm. of course, hasn't been traditionally a sport that, you know, we gravitate to. So um, but I think that has definitely shifted, as you said, a lot in the last 10 years and is continuing to shift um, in a direction that I think you'll see continue to see more increase of um, black and definitely black women participants in in road racing. Yeah, you know, one of the things I noticed with the Black Girls Run community here in Indianapolis, um, and when you said this about your own uh, participation, like how active you were, like that you were literally Mm -hmm. going to runs like every single day. I worked at a local running store here, so I was pretty connected with the Black Girls Run community in Indy and got to know a lot of those ladies. And I was just in awe of how dedicated the volunteer team leaders were. I mean, they were mm-hmm. all in. And you don't see you don't see that in very many other communities. I mean, in the running community, just literally volunteering six days a week. Yeah, it, I, but you know, the thing about it, it was so fun. And I mean, still is, I'm talking about kind of my earlier years as a um, ambassador and volunteer group run lead for Black Girls Run. I mean, this is where you saw your friends mm-hmm. every day. This is where you caught up. You know, a lot of times we're when we go on the runs, we're talking about everything, you know, depending on you have kind of your your mom groups, you had your like single mm-hmm. women groups, you know, um, you know, we're socializing outside of the runs as well. So it became like a huge social aspect for a lot of us. So why would you want to miss out on hanging out with your friends? That's a good you point. Know? <laughs> good point. Yeah. Uh, I also heard you say that you met your husband through a friend from Black Girls Run. That's right. Yep. So we um, actually went to the same college um, and were there at the same time, but never met during that time period. Um, but, you know, just so happens one of my really good running buddies worked with him and she's like, yeah, there's this uh, new guy at work. I think you guys might hit it off. And she was right. We, we met and um, he he got introduced to the, the crazy world of uh, Tess. <laughs> 
Um, he's great. He's he's done some some races, and um, but now he he is our uh, official DJ for our race series. Uh, so you you you'll see him around. Definitely all of the events, either participating or DJing the races. Oh my gosh! Nice. So did he run before you guys met though? He was kind of like interested in it, dabbled in it. not not to the level that I do, definitely, but. You know, he'll he'll get in there for like our our fun 5Ks. We have some traditional races that we do every every year. Um, he did a half marathon. He did the race the first year. I don't know if I'll be able to get him to do another one again. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely um, gets out there and um, enjoys the events. Oh, that's so good. I love that he's the DJ. What's what's the what's the music vibe like? What does he play? What are some of his favorites? Um, well, he's definitely a huge like hip hop, R and B, um, old school. Um, actually, if you go onto the race Facebook page, um, we had two we did two live streams okay. this past week, and um, both of them he's DJing pretty much the whole way through the live stream. Okay, and then we have we have a couple of playlists on Tidal and um, Spotify. Uh, for Run Social, which is my race series, local race series here in Atlanta. Okay. And then the race. So, but yeah, I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty eclectic. He loves like themes. So like whenever we have a race, if there's a theme, like we do a race with Porsche. So the whole playlist is, you know, like cars and Uh. glamour. And then we, we did a, a summer, summer heat series this summer. And he made a playlist that was all songs about hot, heat, sweat. It was awesome. Like, like he really likes the theme taking the theme and kind of running with it. Oh, that's so fun. That's so fun that he's integrated into the business that in that way, doing what he loves, but like being all in with your, your business you're running. Okay. So you mentioned, um, the representation part, like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're at a race and you're not seeing anybody that looks like you, like it's hard to be motivated to, to get involved in those events then. But you, I heard you say before you never felt unwelcomed. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think is important right now for race directors all over the world and country to make sure a representation is is happening, more diversity is happening in their races, um, and to make sure everybody feels welcome? Absolutely. Um, and again, I, you know, just to reemphasize that point, you know, I was at an event and looked around and this back in 2010 and, and saw there's not a lot of black women, black people participating. So the first thing is getting people to the event so that they can see, you know, um, and I, I think the answer is super simple there is just, you know, bring running to the communities. You know, we have a, a very, very diverse running community here in Atlanta. I think we're a little different than your average city, but, you know, still uh, most of the races that take place in the city are in, you know, the Midtown, Northeast Atlanta corridor um, which is where a lot of, I mean, we have diversity, but you know, you're not, you know, targeting that, that demographic that doesn't really see races. So, you know, one of our goals for the race was to run in areas where there aren't typically races taking place. And, um, you know, there's some like little five K's that happen here and there, but we wanted to bring a big national event to the Southwest Atlanta corridor. Um, so we could, you know, have people be excited about, oh, every year the race is coming. We got to make sure we set up our cheer squad and, you know, have people out um, cheering. Like one year, I think the very first year of the race we had, um, <laughs> we called them the um, the group of mamas came out. They were in their robes and they're with their coffee mugs, just cheering. And we were like, if we could get them out every single year. Actually, 
one of the ladies ended up running the race the next year. Oh, so that's we recruited awesome. one. Um, so that was really cool. But, um, but yeah, just bringing, um, uh, the opportunity to mm-hmm. the people, um, I think is, is huge. And then again, you know, just really highlighting, um, not just elite athletes, but, you know, everyday people who use running and walking and, and cycling is, is definitely emerging using those, those endurance type sports as ways to stay healthy, um, bring community, you know, we see a lot of charity walks and runs going on, um, in our, our community. And I think those are all great. You know, I, I kind of teeter between feeling like we have too many events, but at the same time, if, you know, that's the worst thing that happens on a weekend in Atlanta is that we have 10 community 5Ks and I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, as long as everybody is able to, you know, I don't want to see anyone losing money on trying to put on a 5K event. But, um, you know, I think it's great when you have so many options and so many things to support through running and walking and in and, and places that you don't typically see people running around. Yeah. So the race, share with us. Just the premise, everything about mm-hmm. it, your heart behind it. Yeah. So um, as we just discussed, you know, the emergence of African-American runners um, over the last 10 years, I think is something that is awesome, something to be celebrated. I mean, I think it's it's and I don't have hard statistics mm-hmm. on this, but, you know, I think particular organizations like Black Girls Run and Black Men Run. I mean, we have up the ante for a lot of these races, you know, if Black Girls Run says, hey, we are supporting this race, you can expect there's going to be a crowd of Black women at those events. Um, And we're bringing energy, we're Mm -hmm. bringing excitement, we're bringing, you know, whatever swag you got, we're going to get all the extra swag, everything. So, um, you know, we started just to notice there were talks in the, the Black running community about, you know, the emergence of um, our participation, um, representation. And, you know, we, we just kept saying, you know, why don't we put on a race that kind of celebrates all that? Um, and one of the first decisions that we made was to incorporate the colors red, black, and green as our official colors for the race. And if you don't know, the, the red, black, and green is a Pan-African flag colors, which basically represents the full diaspora of black and, and um, African people um, in the United States. And um, we wanted to make sure that those colors were um, celebrated, exemplified. So we put together this race with the intention of supporting as many Black-owned businesses, using as many Black vendors as possible, um, getting massive national support from Black runners. Um, Of course, it's welcome to anyone and everyone that wants to participate, but it's a celebration of of Black excellence and the emergence and, and growth of the black running community here in the United States. Um, and I say the United States because, you know, we definitely have a, a, um, a lot of success with African born runners and, you know, even African runners who have become U S citizens, which we absolutely love and cherish and and celebrate them. Um, but we want to make sure that, that, um, that growth here in the, in the United States is continued to be celebrated and exemplified because, you know, it, it's really, really cool to see, um, you know, run crews and, and groups, different um, places emerge and, you know, having, hey, we're going to meet up for a group run right here in our neighborhood and and then train for something big and then be able to go to one of these big races and, and celebrate the fitness that you created with this kind of like small group that starts right there in your neighborhood. So that's what the race is all about, just bringing together the community um, once a year. And again, my dream would be that 
um, everyone has their their races in their cities, but we come to Atlanta every year to celebrate it um, bigly. So that's I my my big uh, my big goal. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So it's only in Atlanta right now, right? Yes. But you have a big goal, big dream goal for people to implement this, like your model in their cities. But then, no, no, like, no. no. I, my goal is for people to use the race as their, like I, I call it. I would love for the race to become like the Black Runners World Major. Like this is the one race every year that everyone, everybody comes to you. Does, um, but let's let's not let's be clear. I have not, I have not <laughs> no desire to put on the race in every city in the United States. Okay. It's, it's a it's definitely a uh, a task right now. Um, and you know the the race is a production of Running Nerds, which is my company. Yeah. And you know we're we're just a Atlanta based <laughs> race production company. And uh, you know I, I won't limit you know where we could go, but as of today, for the foreseeable future, the race will be in Atlanta. <laughs> okay. So your vision is we all come to you. Everybody comes to you to celebrate at in yes. Atlanta. Okay. But I was just thinking as you were saying that though, I was like. Wouldn't that be cool if every major city had a race just like this? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I definitely would love to see um, races that celebrate black excellence. And there are some that, that take place. Um, you know, if people come to me and, you know, ask me for kind of advice, but the race, the brand, the race, the event, the race is an Atlanta based gotcha. event. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a half marathon and 5k um, and like I said, it, it is a, um, just a real celebration of all the, the, the unity, the collaboration, the growth that we've experienced and will continue to experience. I'm so interested as an entrepreneur, like, you know, you have this dream, you started your production company, you started running nerds, you have all these races, but you have this dream for the race. Talk to us about the birth of it. Like, when did you start thinking, I think I want to pursue this? Like I mentioned, you know, I put on my first race in 2012 and it was just fun. Like I enjoyed it. I loved every aspect of planning it, putting it together, marketing. And we had 400 people show up to the very first race. And I always joke, I probably signed up about 200 of the people. But, <laughs> um, and so I was just kind of hooked on the whole concept of putting together an idea. And, you know, and again, my races, they're not um, charity events. They're um, running Nerds is a for-profit company. We have charity partners for every event that we uh -huh. host. Um, but you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I just decided I wanted to start doing and I enjoyed it. So, um, you know, we put on now about 15 events a year, eight of them are our own curated events, including the race. And then we have, um, partners such as we put on girls on the run 5k here in Atlanta, Atlanta mission, um, mentioned Porsche, um, and a couple other, um, charity partners that we put, we're their race directors. So I think over the first, you know, six or seven years, I just grew a lot of confidence and, you know, our ability to put together an event. Um, I knew how to get it off the ground. I mean, we even took on timing just so that we could be as self-sufficient mm -hmm. as possible. So we're, we're not, we're not a timing company, but we have the ability to time. So, um, that's, that's actually extended our, um, capabilities as event producers that's huge and so when the discussions kept coming up about hey we should put on an event we should put on an event I'm, I'm very much so a doer I don't like to talk too much so I was like if I put together a proposal will you guys let me take the lead and then when I say talking to you guys this is pretty much some leaders in the black running community here in Atlanta um if I put together the proposal 
you got to support me on taking the lead. So I don't know if you know this, but we actually launched the race as a Kickstarter campaign. I, oh, I did know that. Yeah. Yes. So Kickstarter for, for your listeners that aren't familiar, it's basically a platform that allows you to create a project and you put the project out there with a goal, a funding goal. And you say, listen, if you guys want this to happen, put down a pledge. We have different levels of pledging. The most common level of pledging was basically your race registration fee. Um, and if you hit the goal, you can move forward with your project. You get all the pledge money from your pledges, or they call them backers. If you don't hit the goal, then no one is charged anything and you move on. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that the Kickstarter was a great way to say, Hey runners, do you guys want this event or not? If we didn't get the goal, then I could have moved on with my life and you know, who knows what we'd be today. Um, but we hit the goal with about a month to go and, uh, people were excited um, the, the amount that we set in the funding was pretty much just kind of like a base amount. Um, I think we had about 750 backers for wow. the race during the Kickstarter. And then in our first year, we, um, had 1500 runners, walkers, and supporters that registered for the race, including wow. the backers. So the backers were all transferred over to registrants. Um, so, you know, I think it really, what I always say about my events and even as a race director, I don't ever aim to do something just because it sounds cool to me. I want to do things that people want. So like even my other races in my series, they're all kind of like fun social events. Um, you know, I've had a couple of races that I put on and like, okay, that was a good idea, but maybe not so much. So one and done events, but, um, the race is just extremely special. It's special to me because I am a, a product of the emergence of black distance running in America. Um, you know, I, all of my best friends, all of my social interactions, my travel has come because I made the decision to run. Um, and I, I want to expose as many people as I can to that, that life, to that opportunity to kind of change your, your world. Um, and, and also give, uh, businesses and charities a platform so we, we are very proud of the platform that we are able to give to small local charities that are doing great work in the community, small uh, Black-owned businesses and, and corporate businesses, um, because, you know, it's just something that I, I just think it's just a, a, the right thing to do when you have the opportunity to elevate a platform. So It's so much more meaningful that way. The, yeah. the, there's so much more meaning behind your work. Yeah. And it's personal too. Definitely personal. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I love, I'm a big world majors fan. I got three under my belt. I'm ready to get, uh, you know, London is one of my next goals. Um, I love all of, uh, Atlanta track clubs events, uh -huh. you know, and at normal times I'm at something every weekend. I think really? I have purposely schedule not to have a weekend, you know, where I'm not uh -huh. either going to a race, running a race or putting on a race. So I mean, I love the, the running community and, and what it brings. I love traveling to races. We were supposed to be going to Utah this year, Chicago. Mm. You know, all, we won't get into the shit. As <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the race, um, it's just, it's a special event that people want. And I'm excited to be able to produce it every year. Yeah. What, what a smart way to do the Kickstarter. Like, hey, you back it for your the amount of your registration. You're basically, you're yes. just telling me I'm committed. I'm going to show yep. up. If you put the race on, that's so smart. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. What majors have you done? Um, so I've done Chicago, New York, and Berlin. So I did Berlin last year. I'm actually still wearing my 
oh. Berlin Marathon bracelet. Oh my um, gosh. Yes, I said I wasn't going to cut it off until I ran my next marathon. That doesn't so. drive you crazy. No, it's kind of part of me now. Now, now <laughs> COVID's really making you wear that for a really long time then. Because were you going to run Chicago? Yeah. No, I was doing um, uh, Detroit this year, which would be next weekend. Oh, dang. So I said I'm going to still do 26.2 at some point this fall. So it was supposed to be the weekend of, of Detroit, but I'm the last two weeks have not been good for running. You had a lot <laughs> so going gotta, on. Yeah. Yeah. I might have to postpone that. I might, I might try to do something the New York Marathon weekend. Uh, so we'll see. We'll figure something out. I mean, that would be a fun weekend to do it because you you know a lot of other people are doing the same thing. So there's probably like a big yep. virtual community all running because so many people are going to run New York. Hey, friends, a quick break here to thank HelloFresh for supporting this episode of the podcast. I received my HelloFresh meals this week. I was so excited to see them on the front porch on Tuesday, knowing that I didn't have to think about what we were going to make for dinner for three nights. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make with simple steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh offers so many delicious options every week to help you break out of your recipe rut and try new things. HelloFresh is committed to giving back. They have donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019. And this year, they're stepping up food donations to local communities amid the coronavirus crisis. And they're flexible. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week whenever you need. Okay, my family gets the vegetarian meal option because we are vegetarians. And we had the most delicious barbecue cheese quesadillas this week. Actually, yet last night we had those. You all can save when you go to HelloFresh.com slash 80 another and use the code 80 another to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 80 another and use the code 80 another to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. All right, friends, a quick reminder, if you enjoy this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. That is such a great way to support the show. It's easy, it's simple, and it helps new listeners find us. So I would appreciate it so very much if you would consider leaving us a review and subscribing. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Tess. So you walk back to that first Komen race. And now think, you know, how many years has it been? 20 or 10 years? 10 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you ever even think like, I can't believe that that race, I went and ran a 5K, which I feel like the Komen race is like the ra- one of those races that like everybody runs their first 5K at, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or you're just out there supporting your friends or loved ones. Yeah. Totally. Can you believe that 10 years later, you have this whole production company, you put on 15 races a year, you put on the race every year, like what, can you believe this? No, it's even, even before that, if you would have met me when I was in my basketball coaching days, I thought I was just going to retire as a, um, like a coach for 30 years and then become like an AD of some small school and just retire in the basketball world. I mean, I was a huge basketball nerd, just like I'm a running nerd now. Today, I can't even tell. I don't even know who's in the finals. I think <laughs> the finals are happening. 
I don't know who's coaching who. <laughs> I don't know what the top players are. But I know that uh, Sarah Hall came back yeah. and got that second place. <laughs> and I was watching that at 4 in the morning. <laughs> yes. Did From you other get up? People. Yeah, I was up actually. Um, are you familiar with the Run Duo podcast yeah. here? Yeah. Tommy in India. So they hosted a watch party. <laughs> So we were all up. There was about four or five of us on there watching That's it. And so I was fun. packing up packets for the race because that was our our race weekend. Um, so I was packing up packets and watching with them. So that was pretty awesome. I mean, I, I just woke up in the morning and watched the replay. But I'm like, man, that would have been a lot more exciting to see it live. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because, you know, just going back to can you believe it? Like, if you would have told me even five years ago, that I would have stayed up to watch a marathon. The first marathon I ever watched was the New York City Marathon in 2013, and that which inspired me to want to do it. No, I'm sorry. Was it 13? Yeah, 13, which inspired me to want to do it, and I did it in 2014. But um, it was just, I, like, I literally sat there and watched the marathon. I was like, this is actually kind of cool, watching like the strategy and the battle and the grit and all that, so... Yeah, yeah. non-runners don't understand like watching a marathon on TV. They're like, what, you're just going to watch people run for two, <laughs> two and a half hours? Are you kidding me? Right. What was your first marathon? Um, Chicago in 2012, which actually I believe it must have been, was today the 7th? I think this was yeah. the day. Yeah. Yeah, because oh. my, my, my uh, stories, my uh, memories are popping up on Facebook. Eight years yep, ago. So Chicago marathon, it was great experience. Yeah, I was trying to think, what's what was the weather like that year? It was crisp. It was nice. It okay. was like yeah. 40s, 40s, and 50s at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've done eight marathons since? Nine. Nine, okay. So I've done, um, you want me to list them all? Sure. See if I can remember. So Chicago, Marine Corps, New York, Grandma's, which I loved, um, New Orleans. I did uh, Publix, Georgia, Austin. Publix Atlanta they mm -hmm. changed the name to Atlanta and changed the course so my goal is I don't want to repeat marathons so I counted that as a different one and then Berlin so okay. this year would have been the 10th marathon okay so you pick one what's your favorite oh that's tough I know um oh where's your if PR I, um uh, PR was grandma's okay because I I was training for a triathlon and the marathon at the same time I was in such great shape 2015 was like my great shape year which co coincidentally was the year I met my husband too so <laughs> <laughs> he liked that fitness yes um let's see I'm just gonna say Chicago because it's Chicago weekend time. but if you talk to me in a month it's gonna be New York yeah and if you talk to me Last month, it would have been Berlin. So I'll go with Chicago. Yeah. Um, just because, I mean, it was great. I've been back to cheer Chicago's a couple of times, and I always get, like, nostalgic. That's the only marathon that, well, kind of with New York, too. When you're watching it, you're kind of jealous. Like, maybe I should have just trained. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I should have tried to get in. No, I know. Um, you know, if anybody listening that's a runner that has not trained for a triathlon, I am just going to, like – echo what you said because the one time I trained for a half Ironman I was so fit <laughs> like yeah and I was only running I don't know I was probably running four days a week still because I like running so much but I like I was running fast too mm -hmm. and it was coming easily because I was just like my core was fit from swimming so much yeah the swimming definitely does it like it makes you and I was going to my trainer regularly um 
So I, there would be some days when I was doing three a days. So I would go to my trainer, I would go to swim practice, and then I would go like to a spin class or or go run. I think I did four days a couple of times. And it was fun. Like none of the workouts were long. They were all like 30, 40 minutes. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I did the triathlon before the marathon. So it was an Olympic distance. And um, so going into the marathon, it was almost like my taper. Uh And, you know, I was just in great. Now, if you ask me the the marathon, I was most hurt afterwards, I would say the grandma's marathon as well. Because when you're pushing it, yeah, you're going to feel it later. Oh, yeah. all, all of my marathons where I have no time goal, just finish. I recover in like two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, as as a runner, you know, you have the race director hat too, but as, a, as the runner, what do you think you learned from marathons? Oh, wow. Um, well, definitely that you can do anything if you just keep going. And that can be probably to your detriment. I, I don't. I'm not the type of person that would just keep going if I was like injured, but I know the difference between something being uncomfortable and being detrimental. So that's a lesson, like knowing what's uncomfortable versus detrimental. So I've learned that like you can get through uncomfortable um, because I mean, you go through your ebbs and flows during a marathon. I'm just thinking about Berlin last year (laughs) where, you know, you had the first 13 is always like, I can do this. I'm a marathoner. And then like, (laughs) 13 through 18 is like, oh gosh, what am I doing? And then uh-huh. somewhere between like 18 and 24, you get second wins back and forth. And then 24 through 26, it's like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> I can't <laughs> Where is the finish line? <laughs> oh, that's good. So that's been my, but you always know you're going to, even when you're in like the first mi- like few miles, you think to yourself, I've got 20 something more miles to go. You know, you're going to finish. It's just, mm-hmm. How you're going to get there is always an exciting story. (laughs) Do you find it hard to balance doing both, like being passionate about running yourself, but also being on the business side of things and running behind the scenes with all the running stuff? Um, You know what? I love doing races because I'm not in charge Mm -hmm. when I get there. Mm -hmm. Like that's one of my favorite. And of course, you know, it's kind of like, uh, uh, trying to think of another profession. Like if you were a restaurant owner, if you go to another restaurant, you're going to notice certain I things. I say, are you like, why are they doing this? Yeah, why I are they doing things. that? I noticed like oh, home placement and what's going on, how volunteers are set up. And I actually scout races when I'm out, like trying to get new ideas. But at the end of the day, I'm not in charge. Uh-huh. I am just a participant. So I actually love um, the balance of participating in races and putting on my own races. Um, and, and, and honestly, I mean, I still love um, I can't, I can't say that I love running, but I love what running does for my life and for, and I love races. I love, love, love race events, even like just even neighborhood 5Ks all the way up to destination events. Um, it's just, I, I miss it so much and I cannot I wait until we can, can get out and do races again. I know. Okay. So speaking of that though, the race this past weekend, you went virtual mm-hmm. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about, was that emotional? Was that, I mean, and mm-hmm. was that more emotional to take that race virtual than your other races? Because I feel like that's your big, your big race. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe the other races were emotional to go virtual too. Well, um, we've only went virtual with one other event in our series. Um, 
And so I'll, I'll say this, you know, when we made the decision to pivot to a virtual race in June and we knew this is like before, was it before or after Peachtree had made a decision? You know, I was kind of waiting to see like what city of Atlanta was going to do. It's kind of hard to like look at the national scene because everyone was like in different places with the virus. And um, but we we figured out pretty quickly that, you know, we're a small race in the grand scheme of things. Um, and yeah. if big races like Boston and Chicago and I mean, they had made those their decisions by then, but it definitely was not looking <laughs> like anyone was going to be able to put on a race. So we made a decision, I think, pretty early, like, let's just go ahead and make the pivot and then immediately make the goal to make this the best virtual experience that anyone could imagine. Like, so um, we announced the pivot in um, July, sorry, June of 2020. And we gave all of our participants, because we had 1,300 people registered up to that point. Wow. And remember, I told you, we average about 1,500 registrants for the whole year. So we were on track. I believe we would have probably oh. hit 2,500 this year. Yeah. Um, so 1,300 people, we gave them all the option to either cancel their registration and get a refund, defer to 2021, or maintain their registration and participate in what we would put together for this year. And I was just really, really, I, I was nervous about like how that would go. Cause um, you know, again, we're small, uh, I'm, I'm a single owner company. I don't have employees. Um, and so if everybody would have been like, Oh, give me my money back. That would have, that would have been tough. But we only had about 12% of people that asked for a refund. The rest of the field either deferred or maintained. And then from there we had another I say close to 800 people actually register for the race as a virtual race. Nice. So, um, as that momentum continued to pick up, I think it just gave our, our team tremendous confidence. And, and I mean, we had a great team just working to put together. We had a virtual expo, we had a live stream welcome night event. So we did some local events here in Atlanta, but then we live streamed everything so people could watch and feel like they were here and watch and be a part of it. The virtual expo, which is powered by Event Hub, um, was just top notch. Um, this is the platform that Boston Marathon used for their expo, and Chicago is actually using um, at this time. So we we like to think that we kind of gave them some ideas of how to execute. Um, we had a full speaker series in, embedded into our expo, which was great. That's awesome. Um, and then then on Saturday, we actually hosted a digital race event through an app called Charge Running. Okay. And People were able to log into the app and run to a playlist that we put together. We had our MCs, the charge running coaches, talking to our our athletes. We had a whole pre-race program. Um, and, I mean, it was just – it was great. So that part was super emotional, seeing it all executed. Um, like I said, our team put in a lot of work to make, make this as interactive as possible. So, you know, if you're a participant in the race, you know – you could literally feel the four day weekend just in your hometown instead of coming here to Atlanta. And then of course the last day of the race weekend is our community impact service day. So we ask everyone to get out and serve in their community. Normally we have community service projects set up here in Atlanta and have people come, um, come out the next morning and serve. Um, and then I forgot to mention our race packet. Oh my goodness. We had, 
I believe probably one of my favorite race shirts. Um, our theme this year is excellence. Okay. And so, um, the shirt is just a beautiful, very colorful. A lot of people, um, related to like the nineties. Some people said it kind of reminds me of them of like in living color or, uh, living single if you're familiar with those shows. Uh-huh. Um, it was kind of, kind of, um, inspired by like the HBCU themed, uh, attire, but it said excellence. Um, and we saw people all over Atlanta on Saturday, as far as, you know, people getting out and running and doing their race and on social media. I mean, our social media was just blowing up all weekend. Um, and then the, the finisher medals, we had 5k medals and, um, half marathon medals. We wanted to keep all that pretty much the same. So the big difference with the huge difference with the live event versus virtual event is we had to mail out 1500 packets. I was just, as you were saying that, I was (laughs) thinking that that was not a small undertaking. Yeah. And again, this is all happening from the the home office. Uh We don't have have a warehouse or a office space or anything like that. So um, I kind of took over the kitchen, the living room, the basement, pretty much all weekend, um, the garage. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was great. Um, we're still, you know, on a high and also still, you know, just trying to, you know, get the vibe of, you know, what people thought, but we've gotten nothing but positive feedback from all the runners and walkers. And I think it's great too. Um, a lot of people have asked me if we're going to keep the virtual aspect in place. Yeah. And I I think there's definitely some opportunity for a hybrid type event. Um, you know, certainly we want to get back to meeting in person, but it was really cool to see how many people participated because it was virtual. Yeah. Um, Cause they wouldn't have been able to, or didn't have the resources or maybe even time conflicts, but they wanted to support the race. Yeah. So yeah, I think a lot of us um, in the, in the road racing industry are going to learn how to kind of incorporate these virtual events um, into what we're doing. Yeah. I was just thinking about that because the Thanksgiving day run here in Indianapolis, I know that every year they have, they've been having a virtual option Mm -hmm. anyway, because people travel for Thanksgiving. So they, I, I was just thinking about that because they're going for, they're doing a a hybrid this year. Like they're doing Mm -hmm. some like very small in person and like, you know, um, spacing everybody out and everything in yeah. waves but they're also doing the virtual but I'm like thinking oh they probably have a leg up because they've been doing this virtual thing and they've had like a virtual expo um over the past few years but I mean it kind of if, if you to me I'm thinking is it a no-brainer to just always have that option for yeah. someone to support virtually that you know maybe someone lives in Indiana and they can't get to Atlanta that weekend yeah well I mean before this I was me and the team were like, no, this is a live event. Yeah. You're not here. You're not going to experience what we're sure. experiencing. And and I will say this, you know, we're not planning on doing a full production virtually like we did this year. You can't, um, so, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, if we're alive, there, there's all the attention right there. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't think that there is any harm in giving people an opportunity to support, yeah. you know, if they want to support. And that's another thing that I've found. And I don't know if you've talked to any other race directors. People are so willing to support the events that they want to see stick around. And I'm just super grateful to, you know, folks that, I mean, I, there's a lot of people who just signed up just because they just wanted to make, make sure that we're here next year. And I appreciate that. So, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth in the race directing, uh, road racing industry going into 2021. I mean, think about that first race that's able to open up registration as a normal event. 
I mean, they're probably going to sell out in two seconds. Yeah. Whoever it is. <laughs> yeah. And especially because they probably have to cap it, you know, lower yeah. than they normally would too. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh man. Okay. Well, I'm curious, what's your, what's your big dream for the black community and running? Like, as you see, you know, as we talked about, like the past 10 years, you have seen this surgence of black women out running these races. Um, mm -hmm. Like what's your dream for 10 years from now? Um, that's an easy answer. My dream is that races like the race or any of my events are just great races that anybody would support. Just so happens there's a higher percentage of black runners at these events. But, you know, I would love for the race to just become, hey, have you ever ran the race? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got to go run the race. Yeah. That's the goal, you know, for it to just be a nationally recognized, top-notch, excellent event. Um, I mean, all of my events here in Atlanta are, you know, my, run, my uh, race series is called Run Social Atlanta. A lot of people have no idea who the race director is. I'm fine with that. I just want you guys to know that when you come out, you're going to get a great experience. We have great partners. We, we partner with um, a local brewery here called Monday Night Brewing uh, for three of our races. We have a partnership with Top Golf, um, Urban Tree Cidery, which is a, our local cidery here in Atlanta. And those are all just fun races you run and then you hang out at the venues after the race. Um, but again, you know, the reputation of those events is because of the the atmosphere that that has been created and the race will become, you know, that, that same event. Yeah. I heard you talk on another podcast about how the majority of race directors and timing companies is just a bunch of white men. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a, a member and active participant in running USA conference and, you know, I, <laughs> this year I went and I took um, my assistant race director and director of timing and, you know, we're one of very few in the room. And it's just it's just a fact. And it's a reality. Now, there's been definitely more um, um, white females, uh -huh. a lot more growth. Um, I don't know in terms of head, like race directors, it might be just different positions. Because the way we're set up, we're one of very few companies that are um, kind of all inclusive. A lot mm -hmm. of times it's, you know, if it's like the New York Marathon, they have their staff. So they have the race director and a director of marketing and the director of this and the head of this. It's running nerds. We're just tests. And then a couple of, you know, really great, very passionate uh, volunteers and uh, contractors. So, um, but yeah, so there's some opportunity for growth in the industry. Definitely. Yeah. And um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, as you were saying that, because I was thinking like when you I said, how do we increase representation and diversity at races and you're you're like, that's easy. You bring races to those communities, right? Mm -hmm. But how do we do that in the industry? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, same answer, just, well, little different answer. Same in, in terms of um, exposing different demographics to these opportunities. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, where are we looking for um, talent to either put on events or work in the race directing or race road, ma road race management industry. Um, like I mean, me and my, um, my assistant, um, race director and timer, you know, she's a black female and yeah, I think I don't know of any other <laughs> timers. I think maybe one other woman that I've seen on like a 
Zoom call that I was on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, what a cool profession. You're learning technology, you're learning how to code, you're learning. So like just exposure to those industries. Mm-hmm. Like she took it on because, you know, we wanted to learn how to time so we could time our own events. And everyone told us you need someone to champion it. Like I couldn't do it as the race director. I can't time the event and direct the race. So she's like, yeah, I'll learn it. And she learned it. And it would be really cool to get, you know, some young people that were interested in that. Um, so just exposure to the industry. Um, I don't know if we're going to get into this um, later, but I'm also kind of dabbling and learning about the brewery. I know. Industry. I'm like, I can't believe yeah. we're at an hour and I haven't yeah. brought it up yet. I was thinking about it, though. Go ahead. And I'm, I'm just seeing so many parallels, the same parallels, exposure, sure. you know, underrepresentation and craft beer, but it's such a cool industry and it's a welcoming industry and it's like, who doesn't love a good craft beer, you know? So yeah. I love that. Yeah. So have you ever felt like, persu- have you ever felt like I don't want to do that because there's not representation or do you feel like I want to do that more because I want to start being part of that representation? Yeah, the latter. I I've never shied away from being like the only or the first. If anything, I I love that role because I feel like um, you know, it gives people an opportunity to see themselves. Like, so I don't know if you've Oh yeah, you've interviewed Alephine. Um so Alephine, so I love Alephine. She um blessed us with um a Q&A during our race expo this past weekend and she talked about how she did not realize how much of a role model she was because she's just out there just doing her thing. Uh-huh. And then she started getting, of course, you know, after winning the Olympic trials, she started getting more and more people saying, you're such an inspiration and we're looking up to you. And, you know, the first black woman to represent the United States at the Olympics, like this, all this. And it just kind of started hitting her like, wow, like I'm, you know, I'm representing something that has never happened. So you know, I definitely take a lot of pride in that. Um, you know, I don't know if, if race directing is a glamorous profession, <laughs> but if there was ever, you know, a young girl or, you know, a young, you know, uh, person of color that wanted to get into it, I would love for them to be able to say, oh, well, I know that one race director mm-hmm. and I know that one race production company that was able to do it. They put on the race. So shoot, I can put on a little 5k and then grow it from there. That's so cool. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Alphine winning the trials, like you, that's your hometown. That had to be oh, yeah. so, so cool. Yeah. So um, bragging point here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we hosted a meet and greet. The race hosted a meet and greet. And we invited all of the um, black and African-American runners that were participating in the trials. We invited them all. I, I found all of them on either Instagram, Facebook, found emails, invited them all. Um, Alephine accepted our invitation and came to our meet and greet. Oh, I love it. And we had about maybe 40 or 50 people there. And a lot of them, you know, had never heard Alephine. I, you know, done my research. You know, I knew that she was, you know, definitely in the top 10 consideration. And Alephine actually came to our meet and greet, talked to us, and we asked her, like, so what's your goal? She's like, I came to win. Ah. So we got the first, we got the first first uh, proclamation that Alephine was going to win. We knew it. Um, so I was actually a um, crew chief out on the course and um, we got to, you know, get kind of front row seats out there, you know, watching the the trials. I mean, it was a beautiful day. Like we're still on a high here in Atlanta from that whole weekend. 
But, you know, seeing Alephine, I think we were at the, you know, three loops. And our last sight of her was at mile 20. I think we're at 22. And you could tell, like, she, her and um, and, and Molly, mm-hmm. they were ready. Like, that third place spot was still kind of like, totally. who knows? Yeah. But her and Molly, the, you could tell that they had turned it up and they were ready to, to take it home. So that <laughs> it had was to so be awesome so to watch. Cool. Yeah, that had to be so cool to be like, this is like my city. Yep, exactly. Oh, that is so, so awesome. Okay, so did I hear that you're like starting a brewery or like going, like what's happening? <laughs> so we have, I have some of the best supporters. I love them all, but they definitely do not understand how business is formed. So <laughs> I made a statement on, on Facebook that I was at the beginning stages of learning about the brewery industry. And I can't even post a picture of me drinking a beer without someone being like, when's the grand opening? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I um, just have always had a interest in breweries, you know, except I put on a few races uh-huh. in partnership with breweries. I love what the community that it that brings. And, and I love craft beer as well. Um, so I kind of just kind of started getting into it more, learning more about it and um, wanted to kind of learn more about the industry, you know, long-term goal of potentially, you know, opening a brewery or starting a, a brand. Um, so I'm actually um, interning right now with a local brewery. So it's been really fun. Uh, Monday Night Brewing that I mentioned earlier um, I'm doing an eight week kind of total immersion internship program where I get to dabble in each department. Um, this week I'm actually working in the tap room. So super fun, uh, pouring beers and learning the customer aspect, but I've done packaging, brewing, cellaring, sales, um, warehouse. I've been in the lab. Um, where else have I been? Uh, marketing, um, had a chance to, you know, have sit down conversations with the owners. There's three owners, and they've just been absolutely open and, and awesome. You know, everything. I ask a lot of questions. Um, and as you can tell, I don't have any problems talking about anything. So um, it's been great. And I'm, I'm also going to get a chance to um, visit the, they have three locations, two here in Atlanta. And they just opened up a new brew pub in Birmingham. So I'm going to get a chance to go there and kind of check them out too. So, so it's been great. So a lot of people keep asking me like, what's next after the internship? And I really just want to kind of develop an idea and, you know, nurture it and see, see what, where it can take me. Okay. Did you create the internship? Like, were you like, can I come intern? Well, kind of, I think they were thinking about doing it. And when I expressed interest and I have a great relationship with the owners just from our history with the events. Um, and they're a huge sponsor of the race as well. Um, I don't know if you saw, we just, we did a collaboration of black is beautiful, um, with them. Yeah. I saw that. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a combination of, hey, we've been wanting to do something like this. You're interested. Uh, so I'm kind of like the guinea pig intern for, for the company. <laughs> that's so cool. Like, I just love that you have a like you have a job. You have your own race company business. Like, you are putting on these events, but you also love craft beer and brewing. And you're like, I'm just going to go do this in- internship at 42. Like, I'm just going to like go live my life and like pursue that too, because you could just say, Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm a race director. Like I like beer, but you know, but you're just pursuing both. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I joke. I'm the world's oldest intern. So I love it. (laughs) Um, black is beautiful. 
Tell us about that because I heard you say that there's some that are like 12 percenters and some that are like 5%. Oh, yeah. So the the project itself was started by a Black-owned brewery in San Antonio. Um, And and just a little background, there's, I think, and I'm going to, the numbers might not be right, but let's just say there's 5,000 breweries in the United States. There's like 60 Black-owned breweries in the United States. So again, you know, not a lot of representation. Um, and you could parallel a lot of the reasons for that with what, the, you know, the answers that we gave for why it's like that and running. Sure. Um, and then we're talking craft beer, right? Um, so Weathered Souls um, Brewery in San Antonio, they wanted to put together a project to kind of celebrate, you know, um, and, and highlight, you know, during that time of heightened awareness of social injustice. So they launched the project, I believe, in June and challenge breweries to make a beer, call it Black is Beautiful, use the same label, um, and then donate 100% of the profits from beer to a local charity that's doing work for social justice in their communities. So I've heard a couple of interviews from the um, Weathered Souls founders, and they were like, well, we thought maybe a couple hundred breweries would, would jump on some of our you know, regional. They had a, over a thousand breweries participate all 50 states, I think 20-something countries. Wow. And so um, we have about 20 breweries right here in the local Atlanta area that participated. So it's all different versions. And everyone kind of puts their own take on it. Okay. So I give myself credit for being the smart one to ask Monday Night Brewing, which is one of the best breweries here in Atlanta. And I was like, hey, guys, have you guys are you guys doing Black is Beautiful? If not, do you want to partner with me and make it one of our um, the race weekend features? So um, we got a, a quick yes. And this was before the internship was settled, too. Um, they said yes. Um, we, we brewed the beer. It was a, it's a blended um, barrel-aged maple bourbon barrel milk stout. Wow. And it's delicious. It is absolutely delicious. And um, Georgia Justice Project um, that does great work here in the Atlanta community, uh, or the Georgia community, I should say, is our beneficiary. And... Yeah, it was great. We had our release party on um, Sunday, but the actual beer, the pre-sales sold out before Sunday. And last I heard, there's like five cases left of the beer. So super excited about that. But yeah, that's Black is Beautiful. You can check out the project at blackisbeautiful.beer and see um, there's most likely a local brewery in your area that's doing a version of it. Um, and it's kind of become like a little collector's item. I've got like six different versions of it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm dying to know which breweries here in Indianapolis actually participated. Oh, Uh, I'm sure that you got a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what percentage is your beer? The one that you helped. So ours is, uh, I'm trying to see if I have one up here. Hold on. You want me to grab it real quick? Sure. All right. Here it is. So ours is 11.5%. Okay, uh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, not a, it's not a chugging beer. No, nope, no. Nope. And then um, this is I'm super proud of. We got oh, the logos, nice. the Georgia Justice Project, and then this is the label that every version of Black is Beautiful okay. has. Okay, so everybody has, and that that the background's the same too, or just the logo? Um, yeah, the kind of um, spectrum. Yeah, I love yep. it. They're all they're all stouts. And, um, I mean, I've had some really, really, really good ones. Like one of my favorites local brewery made a 
vanilla bean stout. Oh, so good. Oh, vanilla yeah, bean stout. Oh, that does sound like good. Vanilla bean or something like that. Sorry, I was looking um, to see. I was looking up Indianapolis. Who did you see any, any I, breweries? The in? first one that popped up is Gugman House Brewing Company, and I have literally never heard of them. <laughs> And that's another thing too. I've discovered a couple of breweries that I didn't even know were in Atlanta. Maybe I just we need like to go check it went out. Around town. Yeah, we went around town, like hopping around trying to find different uh, versions. So yeah, I'm gonna cool. go do that because that that brewery it looks to be like it's downtown somewhere. So I can't believe I've never heard of it. Um, oh, that's so cool. I love that so much. So so we is this like seasonal? Will every year when you have the race, will you be able to bring the beer back out? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because the head brewer at Monday night actually made an announcement at the the uh, release party that he wants to keep this collaboration going. So as far as the Black's Beautiful project, I don't know if they, yeah. you know, have any um, if other breweries have any intention of remaking their beer. But I mean, I think if you made a good version of it, why not keep it going, especially if it sells out, you yeah. know? Why not? Um, so we, but we are definitely going to be um, partner with Monday Night Brewing to create a, the race, we call it the race, um, collaboration edition and, um, do it every year. So now whether or not it'd be this exact formula, um, I'm not sure just because it, it is a blended barrel age. So it takes a, it takes a year to make this beer basically. <laughs> oh, wow. Because of the barrel aging. Mm-hmm. Wow. They must've raised, I mean, I, I wonder if they're is a way they could keep track of how, I mean, cause I know it's local, like mm-hmm. the breweries donate to a yeah, local organization. I wonder how much they raised though. It had to be a ton if they had over a thousand yeah. breweries do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if they have any kind of reporting yeah. um, of proceeds, but that would be a very impactful number to share. Okay, Tess. Well, what's one thing professionally or impersonally that you would like to do that you have not done yet? Um, I would like to, hmm, I'm trying to think of something that like I haven't actually tried to pursue. I mean, I'll just go with, you know, open a brewery. I think that'd be really cool. I don't know how, how, when that will happen, but you know, since I've kind of started down this journey, I want to, I want to see that through. So we'll go with open a brewery. The good news is, is if, and when you do that, you'll have like a really solid, like, group of people that are just built in customers that come for run meetups, right? Yep. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's the basis of my business plan that runners will drink. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They're going to go meet up for a run with their friends and then they're going to go have a drink afterwards. Um, what is an accomplishment you're most proud of? Accomplishment. Um, I guess the race is definitely, I'm very proud of that accomplishment to be able to dream it and then see it come through and then be in complete three years of it. So very proud of that. That's awesome. What's the best, most recent book you've read? I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm more of a podcaster. I list, I'm a listener. Um, I'm trying to think I'll go with Michelle Obama's book. That was probably the last book that I actually read, but I'm a, I'm a big audio book person and podcast listener. I love podcasts. <laughs> I mean, it counts if you listen to it on Audible. You still read the book. You just listen to it. I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is, oh, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? 
I would go with my, my top three people that I always say I want to meet and like kick back with are Beyonce. Yep. Not just because of her music. I think it would be a great conversation. You know, she's very inspiring. She's a businesswoman. Um, Peyton Manning. I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan. Um, I think it would be cool to like sit and watch old games with him and be like, Peyton, what were you thinking right there, man? Could have cost <laughs> the game. <laughs> um, and then I've always been, um, uh, you know what? I'm going to change one of my standard answers, but I think it would be kind of cool to meet President Obama. Mm. I, I'd love to hear what his take on like unfiltered take on the world today. <laughs> <laughs> so real conversation. Yeah. This yeah. Is unfiltered. Like, no cameras. What do you really think? Well, Although maybe, I don't think he holds back on what he really thinks anyway. So you could maybe get bonus. Um, maybe he would bring Michelle. Yeah, that would be dope. <laughs> um, okay. I'm fascinated by the Peyton Manning thing. I, because I'm from Indianapolis. So like, obviously mm-hmm. you play for the Colts forever. What's the connection? Like, why are you a Peyton fan? So it, the story goes, uh, I'm from Indiana. I don't know if we talked about that. No, I didn't Indiana. know that. You're from yep. Gary. Yep. I went to West Side High School. Oh, my gosh. My um, husband's from Crown Point. So it's oh, yeah. like we'll kind of. play each other all the time. And yeah. actually, he went to Andran, which is, I think yep. it's pretty close to Gary, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I have friends that went to Andran. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, too funny. Um. So, yeah. So I was working in, you know, I was a basketball coach. So I was always a big fan of coaches. So I became a fan of Tony Dungy. Oh, he's the best. Who was the coach. He was the coach of the Colts. Yeah. So I became a Colts fan. Then I became a Peyton Manning fan. Okay, okay. So I always say I followed the player, not the team. Okay. So when he moved to Denver, yeah. I was, became a Denver fan. Now I don't have any any team that I'm really, like, passionate about. Um, but I just, you know, just fell in love with his, like, kind of underdog domination you know he's not a perfect player but you know you know he's, he's just so much to the point where my dog is named Peyton no way yeah I did see that your dog is named Peyton yes I have my whole family running around screaming Peyton all the time and I think it's hilarious I didn't know that it was like a Peyton Manning namesake thing though <laughs> yep he is named um, after the great Peyton Manning okay so I had the opportunity to interview Tony Dungy one time so, so awesome. if you go back on this podcast, it was random because like he's not a runner, but my friend was working the PR for this event he was in town for. Uh, it was it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. And she was like, do you like do you want an interview with Tony Dungy? And I was like, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. You take that interview. And she's like, OK, I can give you 10 minutes. And I was like, can you do 15? Like my podcast is a long form podcast and um so I think I got I think I squeezed in like 16 minutes <laughs> nice. um oh I got I got I'm gonna go back and check that out I'll send definitely. you the link because it's kind of far back I don't remember when but he is like the just like he's just like so gentle and kind and um I was super nervous because I was thinking about this I was talking to my husband I was like is he the most famous person I've ever interviewed you know, like in the grand scheme, you like I've interviewed a lot of top running pros, right? But like Tony mm-hmm. Dungy, that's more like universal, right? Yeah, right. Um, but he was so kind. And the a funny story is right before the interview, we both sat down on these couches and a mouse jumped out behind the couch I was sitting on and ran towards his couch. <laughs> oh, what? We were in this like big church. Oh, um but yeah, that's Did how my both scream? We oh yeah, both scream. Um, I was there. Yeah. He didn't like. He kind of just like d- 
didn't pay much. Like it didn't seem to bother him. I screamed. <laughs> I screamed really loud. <laughs> um. Anyway, okay, yeah, I'll send you the link to it. It's it's short. Oh but yeah. It, it, I would love to listen to that. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Here's the last question. Then, what is your message to the world? So, uh, I think general theme of this whole conversation, which again, thank you so much for having me for. Um, asking me to be a part of this this lineup, I'm you know going back on all your episodes and seeing that I'm kind of going to be listed in this Aww. amazing lineup of of running community people. Thank you so much. But the general message is you know just stay positive and and be um, be a light where you can be a light. And even if that's just for one person, if it's for a community of people, if it's for a global platform or even a local platform, just be a light and go vote. Get out and vote this fall vote in local elections vote just vote all the time constantly it's good thank you no thank you for taking time i mean you're like coming off this like big rush from the weekend you're probably exhausted so thank you for doing this this week yeah it was great it was actually perfect timing because you know on on a high excited um and uh, again, you know, thank you, Shawana, for uh, recommending me. I love, I'm a huge Shawana White fan. Um, and, you know, I think we can just continue to elevate the platform. And one thing that we've all kind of realized is that, you know, runners, we kind of get it. You know, we get community, we get unity, we get everyone, you know, um, everyone is on equal playing field when we're out there running. Mm-hmm. So I think we can be an example of what the world could be. So if, if everyone just ran, wasn't that um, Mizuno's little tagline for a little while? What if everybody ran? I think it was. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that's and I mean, such that, a good point. Yeah. If we all just ran, the world would be a better place. <laughs> you know, that, that reminds me of like the mission of back on my feet. Are you familiar with back mm-hmm. on my feet? Yeah. Cause that's, oh, yeah. They're, they're one of our beneficiaries. Yes. Yeah. It's like, that's kind of their whole, the whole thought process. Like everybody shows up at five 30 to run and like, it doesn't matter uh, who is experiencing homelessness, who isn't like who has a job, who doesn't have a job. We're all here to run. And it kind of just like unifies everybody. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Courtney Strassnyder is the other person that was highly recently highly recommending you. I wanted to make sure we gave her a shout out too. Do you know Courtney? Thank you, Courtney. Yes. Yeah. Courtney, good, great runner, big supporter of all things at uh, Running City USA. You know, we're Running City USA here in Atlanta, right? Does the world, the uh, the rest of the world acknowledge us as Running City USA or is that just us? I I don't know, actually. (laughs) Well, let me be the first to tell you that Atlanta is Running City USA. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, you did host the Olympic trials, so. There we are. Uh, all right, Tess, well, I'm going to send you that Tony Dungy link, and um, thank you so much. Congratulations on a great weekend. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Tess, for coming on the show and sharing your story. Congratulations on an amazingly successful event. I cannot wait to see what the future holds for all that you are doing in the running community and beyond. You can find Tess on Instagram. She is running nerds over there. You can find the race on Instagram, they are the race underscore UC. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. We have a Facebook group for this podcast. And don't forget, I started a new podcast. Why is everyone yelling? Tell all your parent friends about it. 
We're on Instagram. Why is everyone yelling? So make sure you go give it a follow and tag your parent friends so they can find us. Really excited about that new community. Um, Also still super excited about I'll Have Another and that show will not affect this show at all. It'll still be the same. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate each and every one of you. Appreciate your support so very much. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.